You're listening to Matrimony. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chris. This is the show about our marriage. And our money. husband. Hi. On this episode, we're talking about how we're planning for college for our two sons. Several of you have asked about this, so we wanted to address that. And we're talking about what we're planning to spend for Christmas this year, and also how having less stuff has led to a more fulfilling life. Yes. <laughs> My favorite topic ever. Yes. So let's catch up on life lately. First of all, we are sick. Uh, this is our first our first family-wide sickness. Yes. I do not like it. No. At all. It is horrible. You're recovering. I'm still I'm still yeah. down in the dumps. I'm on I'm on the up and up and I'm starting to feel better. Um you're still not feeling great. I feel so bad for you. So actually, so today is randomly a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We had planned to take yesterday a Tuesday off with friends of ours. One of them called in sick and then suddenly both of us Suddenly, you were feeling sick to our stomachs, and we literally spent the whole day in bed. Yeah, it was like this. We had all sorts of opportunity not, in front of not us. Not in bed in a good way. <laughs> Sadly, no. No, stinky and burping and okay. sick and <laughs> sleeping. Yeah, we, we kind of like we, we did watch some old episodes of like Modern Family and Parks and Rec. I mean, we never get to do that. So, I mean, On the one hand, at least we could lay around. The boys were at daycare, so at least we weren't having to take care of small children at the same time. But it was just not fun. It was like the opposite of a day date. It was the worst. And actually, today we're home again because we both were feeling not great in the morning. And Mm -hmm. I'm continuing the unfortunate trend, although thankfully you're getting better. But the boys seem to be feeling a little bit sick, too. They both... (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) They both had coughs. And... uh, they actually woke up, let's see, Cedric oh, woke up. Oh, this was the worst. This was the absolute worst. So when you're, like, parents know this, when you're sick mm-hmm. and you, you just want to get through, like, the morning or the evening before or after work with the yes. kids, you work through it, uh-huh. but then you get blissful sleep to try to recover. Right. But then this morning, Cedric woke up at It was like 3.30. And then because he woke up, I think, because he woke up, you know, we were making noise in the kitchen because I was trying to feed him, keep him, yeah. you know, yeah, we tr- we were trying to get him to go back to sleep. Just nothing was working. He was just wide awake, babbling, ready to play. And then, because of his babbling and everything else, I think that woke up uh, Dashiell. And Dashiell had like a nasty cough, actually. Mm. Although he seemed to feel okay, but he woke up at like 4.15. So oh. our day started at 3.30. Oh, my God. Which made a tough morning even longer. It was <laughs> so long. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, but we survived that, and hopefully we are... We are improving. And now we're bringing you this germ-free podcast. Yay. It's <laughs> nothing from us th- by listening to this. That's right. Um, but otherwise, we did have the past two weekends have been just so nice with our family. Mm. Um, the past two Sundays have been so nice. Like the boys have taken simultaneous naps and we've actually like gotten some stuff done around the house yeah. and also had time to like for us to nap or to read a book. It's just been really, really pleasant. Well, I think, yeah, I think um, maybe we're, again, like putting hope into something we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Cedric has taken one nap on a few of those weekend days, and it's spanned like two and a half or three hours, Mm -hmm. which he's he's actually going to be transitioning from a two-nap to a one-nap schedule with daycare soon. So this is, we're starting to kind of get him on that schedule. Mm -hmm. That would mean they would sleep together, not together, but they'd sleep at the same Mm -hmm. time, you know, and hopefully right. have like a nice long period where we have a break and we can do stuff. Yeah. Because normally it's like Cedric takes a nap, then he wakes up, then Dash goes down, then he wakes up, then Cedric goes down. So right. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just been nice and just made the weekends feel a little bit relaxing. A mm-hmm. lot of times with the two young boys, even though they're fun, they're very full. I wouldn't say they always feel very relaxing, <laughs> but that actually has lent kind of some relaxing. And then this past weekend on Sunday, it was chilly and rainy mm. off and on all day. It was so nice. And what, what projects did we get done? We got tons done. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we finally, <laughs> when we got the house painted earlier this summer, <laughs> we took down, we had blinds over our bathroom windows. We have two windows that are around our bathtub and 
for whatever reason, usually people have like frosted glass or like those glass bricks that you can't see through. For some reason, we just have totally see-through windows in our bathroom and they were and like huge ones yeah, that really look in big. directly onto the bathroom and bathtub and shower. Right. So. And our neighbors are close by. We are in the suburbs. Um, and it also actually directly not only looks into the bathroom, but then through an archway directly to our bed. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we took down the blinds to do the painting and we really didn't want to put the blinds back up because they were just like disgusting and broken and the cords were all tangled and yeah. all these things. So we decided to put up kind of translucent window film over the windows. We did that in the kitchen and we like that as a solution. Well, just because with having the two little kids and being so busy, it just took us forever to finally get around to this. And at first, the neighbor that we had next door was never, ever in their backyard. Like we just never saw them. And so we didn't really worry about it. And we got one put up, but not the one that faces next door. Well, then about a month or so ago, we did get neighbors that moved in next door. And we were like, we just, we've got to get on it. They probably think we're so weird for having this open window into (laughs) our bathroom. Yeah, we got, we got complacent because the the neighbors moved out next door. Right. And there was maybe three, four weeks where there was nobody living in that house. Right. So we're like, it's fine. There's no angle (laughs) that any other neighbor right behind us or elsewhere could see through so it was fine it was no big deal but we (laughs) but then they moved in and we still didn't see those neighbors in the backyard much but there's a lot of sneaking from like around the corner of the bedroom into the closet (laughs) half naked or totally naked dressed and stuff and maybe i just worried that like maybe they weren't spending time in their backyard because they were like this is super awkward why don't they put covers (laughs) on their windows so anyway we got that project done and it felt great yeah and i can't even remember i feel like we did so many other things but we've kind of been accomplished the past couple weekends we got part of our block wall fence fixed our gate wasn't closing we got our screen door finally enclosed Mm -hmm. on the front door so anyway it's felt pretty good despite being um sick these past couple of days it's been pretty good yeah But what all that does represent, too, though, is just the number of house repairs that keep coming up. Mm -hmm. And I'm just realizing it's it's stuck in my head for some reason that this house is 11 years old because that's how old it was when we bought it. Oh, really? But we bought it, you know, five years ago now. Oh, really? And so it's now almost, it's not almost, let's see, 15 years old. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's a 15-year-old house, which means all Mm -hmm. these things are breaking down. And we've been, you know, you've heard us talk about, like, the garage Mm-hmm. door breaking and things like this but but all things considered i mean these are repairs that are maybe a few hundred dollars which is you know never fun but we haven't we did replace the the ac the furnace and the hot water heater yeah. last year yeah. for was that like how many how much was 6k that? for six thousand dollars and so that was a big expense but we did do it kind of preemptively we didn't nothing was wrong with our ac or our furnace but we just knew they were getting old we got a good deal so we went ahead and did that yeah what prompted it though is a water heater sounded like world war ii every time yes. it went off because it was filled with sediment that had mm-hmm. turned into rocks that was banging all around but What's actually kind of nice, and this is a good reason to have a good community around you and know mm-hmm. and love your neighbors. Have you already mentioned this? I don't know if I have. I don't All think right. so. It can be a, a PSA yeah. for the second time if you If have not, it. it's a helpful reminder. Okay. That you should be good friends <laughs> with your next door neighbors because we struck a deal with our next door neighbors, mm-hmm. you, the other half of your girl next door podcast, right. and um, got a deal on both of our systems. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing that same thing because, again, with an aging house, we're going to have to paint mm-hmm. the exterior of the house probably early next year. Mm-hmm. And so we'll strike a deal. So one company can come out and paint two houses. We'll both get a discount. Yeah, hopefully so. How about it? I love it. Um, The only other thing I wanted to mention is that I am so excited about the holiday season. It is not yet Thanksgiving. We are already listening to Christmas music. We enjoyed peppermint mochas actually this morning when we were feeling a little bit better and we survived the morning and dropped the boys off at daycare. We treated ourselves. Um, So that's just been really nice. I just love anything cozy and special and for the holidays well and the weather has totally been Mm -hmm. perfect for it so i mean this morning actually i think this morning it was in the 30s which is maybe one of the first mornings it's been that yeah that chilly so i'm just loving it yeah oh there's one more thing i want to bring up okay so since i've been laid up in the bed for two days uh we've i think we've mentioned on this podcast before our our love of limetown which is a serial podcast this drama kind of thing mystery Mm -hmm. drama so um but it comes out erratically. Again, right. 
Limetown. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Get on a schedule. Um, but, and so I've been looking for, I assume there must be a, like a whole world of these right. serial drama podcasts that are out there that are sort of like the old time mm-hmm. radio shows that used to be on. And so I went looking because I had hours <laughs> of mm-hmm. just laying there, not feeling great. And I've come across two others that I wanted people to know about that I think are awesome. Actually, it's from the the same group. Okay. Um, and the first is uh, the Black Tapes. Okay. The Black Tapes podcast, which you've is, been trying to get me to listen, but I worry that it's too spooky for me. I it, have a very low threshold. It's pretty spooky, but it oh, it's just so good because they do it in such a way that really bends fiction versus reality. Mm. Because you you can't you almost can't tell. I mean, clearly the whole thing is fictional, but it, it they do it in such a way it sounds professional. It sounds like an actual NPR style reporter delivering this this podcast, but it's a, it's an investigation into, um, ghost hunters and the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And this woman gets wrapped up into this particular institute that debunks all this stuff. But there are these black tapes that are cases that couldn't be debunked. And she mm. gets into this like building mystery. It's very cool. Mm. Then there's a similar one out of the same group called Tannis. Okay. Um, and did you start listening to that? You, I, s- I did. you said maybe we'd, li- you said maybe we'd listen to it together. Oh, well, I'm happy to re-listen. Actually, oh, I've listened to probably 15 minutes of each 30-ish minute episode gotcha. because I before you fall asleep. asleep. <laughs> so yeah, I, we were thinking maybe that could be um, something that we listen to on our commute. It's also spooky and includes, you know, a fair amount of spookiness, but it's not the same sort of each episode is like this paranormal thing happening. So, gotcha. but they're definitely worth checking out. They're so good. They're so fun to listen to, especially on commutes if you have a commute. Okay. Great recommendation. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to talking about our money. So first, I need to bring up something with you, and that mm-hmm. is Christmas spending. Have you spent on Christmas? I have spent on Christmas. Actually, mm-hmm. just today, as you were laying sick in bed, I was feeling a little bit better and decided to get some Christmas stuff done. So For me? I think, nope, nothing for you. (laughs) So um, please know that I have spent about 150 to $175 so far. That includes our Christmas cards, which I'm super proud of because I designed myself in Photoshop Elements. And this has actually been my tactic for the past few years. I, I do not have a lot of photoshop design skills at all but i know enough to kind of put together some basic layouts and some text and so the past few years i have been using photoshop elements to design our own christmas card i just get you know photos that we have maybe write a little note or say happy holidays with some different fonts and then previously i have ordered from overnight prints but i got a recommendation from another website called got print Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I ordered 100 postcards of my, uh, you know, the design that I put together for less than $30. That's so awesome. Which is amazing because so many of these Christmas card sites, you know, where you get a photo card and they look very nice and everything, but they're, you know, maybe $1 or something per card. So anyway, it can add up really fast. So I'm proud. Yes, exactly. Um, And I I love the design. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Can I reveal the design or do you want to um, keep it a secret? No, that would be fine. Okay. We can maybe post a picture of it on our website. Okay, cool. I love it because it's, it's you did an awesome job on it. And it's really cool because there are all these pictures and they're all numbered mm-hmm. of kind of our year. And instead of having, which this is not bad, but like instead of having a sheet where it's just like paragraph after paragraph of what we ha- what happened in mm-hmm. our lives this year, um, it's numbered photographs. And, and then each one, there's this quick little synopsis of what the yeah. photograph represented, which I thought was such a smart way yeah. to graphically tell the story mm-hmm. instead you. of just a lot of text. It was cool. Thank you. I, got, I was inspired by, by a Christmas card that I saw. So it wasn't my full original original idea, but I am really happy with the way that it turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also did some Amazon shopping for, um, mostly for kids, for like nieces and nephews and kids of our friends. So that was kind of a easy thing to do all right there. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, what did we, we sat down a couple of weeks ago, we were having a coffee date and we actually went through, and this was very helpful. We listed out every person that we were going to buy for, even I already had some gift ideas and, and we came up with a budget. Mm-hmm. And what did we say our total Christmas budget was? Well, I think we said 500 bucks. Okay. So, but yeah, so here's my question. So that you said you spent like 175. Yeah. And so how much more shopping do we need to do outside of or 
in general, actually? Um, I think mostly we just have like shopping for our family. We had, we've been thinking about, about buying Dash a pedal bike and we wanted to mm. get him something pretty good quality. So that actually is like maybe a good chunk of the budget. Like we we're looking at maybe even something as much as two hundred dollars or three hundred. Oh, really? Woo. Yeah. We need to we need to look at that. I mean, I, I want him to have a very good quality bike and I expect that Cedric would be able to use it maybe eventually by yeah. the time Dash needs to move to a bigger one. Um but anyway, yes. Yeah, so that was so I think we were thinking two hundred bucks for the entirety of the rest of Christmas outside of what we buy for each other if we bought anything. Gotcha. So we might and have to adjust. And our Christmas tree, which we usually spend between 50 and $75 on, we like to get a live Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. But we might do a smaller one this year since we... Maybe so, since maybe we're traveling. traveling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so the the bike though, because I'm, I'm bike obsessed, it's really me driving this bike I know, thing. I know. But I've done extensive research <laughs> on toddler bikes. And there's really, it's important because like Dash is awesome at, at mm-hmm. being on a bike and you have to... Toddlers have kind of a low center of gravity, so you want something that's kind of wider and shorter to the ground. But yeah. all these companies design bikes that are like mini versions of adult gotcha. bikes. And right. They're too heavy and they're too tall and too short. Mm-hmm. And so um, they make it harder for kids to, to transition, like in our case, from a push bike to a, to a mm-hmm. pedal bike. Mm-hmm. So there's a really extremely well-designed one, but it is really expensive. Gotcha. I think it's Isla or Isla bikes. Okay. I wonder so, if we could find one used by any chance. Maybe. I've been scouring Craigslist here and there, so okay. I'll keep it up. But... Um, Probably there aren't many out there because it's not like a $50 Huffy bike. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So anyway, yeah, so we're getting our Christmas stuff going and trying to stick to that budget. Um, Okay, something else that maybe doesn't seem initially that it's related to money, but that I wanted to talk about because it's been just something very significant um, in our lives is that about a year and a half ago, we went on a major household-wide purging Mm -hmm. and we called it minimizing and once we had purged through every single room through every drawer gone through every single thing and made decisions about whether things stayed or good we we stayed or went we called it the minima yeah and so (laughs) that's just become like a household phrase that we use um and it's something that we continue to maintain which i have been really surprised how committed we've stayed well, that. I think it's one of the main themes of our like relationship now. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. Minimizing, <laughs> getting rid of stuff, simplifying, becoming more sustainable. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, curtailing our consumerism, all mm-hmm. these things, because it's all actually that's a fundamental thing to our financial plan too. Right. I mean, absolutely fundamental. So the way that we minimize throughout the house, we get rid of stuff we don't need. We change our habits so that we don't buy things that are mm-hmm. you know easily thrown away right. or disclutter the house, or and that so, we have to maintain. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, um, but I'm curious though, because like what, how you remember this all starting, because mm-hmm. I have an origin story in my head that, you? that stars me. Really? Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so I want to know <laughs> how you remember it all starting. How I remember it starting is, um, well, first we were expecting our first child. Oh, our first? Like, yeah, actually this goes back farther, I think. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Cause we've had two minimas. We've had the minima and then the minima two over the past couple of summers. Hmm. And so first, uh, as I recall, we were getting ready for Dash. And so we were having to clear out space and organize the house. And we mm-hmm. were thinking about all this stuff. And I thought it was around that time that you introduced me just like offhandedly to the Mr. Money Mustache mm-hmm. blog. Mm-hmm. And from, I read the blog like voraciously for the next yeah. three days. And then I went fucking nuts yeah. on our bills. Right, and right. then it, it, like I lost it from there and just went mm-hmm. to town. That's why I say in my I head, see. it stars me, but that's I because see. I remember it from my experience. So I'm curious how you re- remember it. Interesting. Man, I actually think I actually dispute your origin story. <laughs> well, only part of it. I think that it actually happened in between Dash's birth and Cedric's birth. Okay. I'm not sure when I suggested Mr. Mr. Money Mustache to you, but we definitely went on, started our major purging and did the household purge two summers ago, which was when we were, we had Dash, but we were expecting Cedric. And we knew that we were going to need to, we were going to keep the nursery as it was and have our baby, our new baby in there. And we were Mm going to move Dash to what was currently kind of our office. Yeah, Yeah. And... And so I think then 
that prompted us to really go through everything. In the office, we'd kind of tidied it up, but it continued to like kind of accumulate things and whatnot. And we just kind of got started. And then it's like, we just couldn't stop. And it became, I like have actually such a fond memory of that summer. I just remember it was so enjoyable for both of us. And Mm -hmm. we just kind of had this running mental list. Like, okay, we've done the office. We have the guest room. Have we done our bathroom? Have we done under the guest bathroom sink? I mean, we were just both so committed to going through every single space. Mm -hmm. I remember sometimes in the evenings after Dash went to bed, we would go work out in the garage, going through stuff (laughs) and cleaning it up. That was the summer that we sold your truck and went down to just being a one-car family. Mm -hmm. That's right, yeah. So, So I think maybe... I think I maybe always had a little bit more of a tendency to want to like get rid of stuff. We've always, neither of us have ever been a pack rat. And so that's been really great that we've both always supported each other and like getting rid of stuff and not keeping a bunch of stuff. But I think maybe after you read Mr. Money Mustache, then you were really motivated yeah. for like the household wide. Well, it was just some like amazing alignment of all this stuff. Yeah. So we, 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 there was a necessity to it because we want to make room for our family right. in the house. <clears throat> and then, then I read Mr. Money Mustache and I got excited about the financial part of it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, well, I guess it sort of aligned with just all of our ethics anyway. Like we don't really care about being super consumers. We don't right. care about fancy cars and all these things. Um, and I was reading websites like The Minimalist. There are another right. couple of bloggers who write about all this stuff. But not being consumerist, um, being more sustainable, mm-hmm. having more financial flexibility. Mm-hmm. We felt like it was healthier because the less stuff we have in the house, like a TV, for example, right. the more we read and Mm -hmm. get out and bike and all of that so it just was it's the stacking of ethics that Mm -hmm. i think is so important and then it wasn't even that we were committed we just loved it like it just felt so naturally the right thing to do yeah and it's now to the point like i'm looking at you right now the there's a shelf behind you you're looking at something on on me that you need to get rid of (laughs) (laughs) um i was about to say something sexual uh No, there's an empty shelf behind you. I can like mm-hmm. look to my right. We have Yeah, I think in every single room we have empty shelves yeah. of some yeah. kind. And I don't know, some people might think that that sounds weird, but it just makes it look like there's room for living in our house. Like mm-hmm. it's so peaceful, I feel like for me to look around it. The house now really matches what my ideal aesthetic is. Yeah, you know, it just sure. looks like there's there's room to accumulate stuff if we need to. It just looks like there's a lot of potential Mm -hmm. and it looks like there's plenty of room to do whatever living we need to do. You know, there's not, things aren't cluttering space so we can be playing all over with the boys. Yeah, so it's potential for living, not potential for putting more stuff in it. Right, or if we did, if there was like a new interest of something of ours, there's room for it and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't clutter the house because there's room for it to be there. You know, like I expect as the boys get older to maybe get some different toys, things like that um so so we live in a 1750 square foot mm -hmm. house and we have there are now four people in it Mm -hmm. and if we really wanted to one room could be entirely empty and it wouldn't affect us at all because we could you know dash and cedric will eventually be in the same room right that's kind of our thought Mm -hmm. yeah and so yeah we constantly are getting rid of stuff especially Mm -hmm. as cedric grows up we can get rid of clothes and toys and um everything is organized and i think the the key thing was we literally did that summer and then the following summer touch every single we item really in the entire house and decide if there was value there or not. And when there wasn't, it was even when there was, but it wasn't sufficiently valuable. Yeah. It was gone. Right. So like I went, I took the steps of, I have all this stuff from my childhood mm-hmm. and I took the steps of getting rid of yearbooks and mm-hmm. things. Cause I look at those things what once a decade i mean it just it's yeah. not that important um all these things that you think are keepsakes right. which i have a problem with that term i realized keepsake keepsake you're keeping something for the sake of keeping weren't it weren't there a couple of yearbooks that you saved i mean i could see like cedric and dash yeah uh, yeah being I, interested. Think, I think there i think there were some years that were kind of more significant to you mm-hmm, from growing mm-hmm. up than others and so you did you did save a couple of things and i um i'm Sorry, I cut you off about the keepsake thing, and I want to hear what you had to say. But first, I wanted to say. <laughs> no, no, you go. 
Um, I'm also not a super sentimental person. I mean, I, I do try to save, you know, those things that are really important to me. And I, and I try to be conscious too, of like saving things. that will be fun for the boys to look at because I definitely like to look at photo albums and things from my parents' childhood Mm -hmm. and even from you, from your childhood. Cause I, you know, didn't know you until you were like 29. And so, you know, I think, but I think you can still save a like select items that you can share over the years without just, you know, amassing huge quantities. Yeah. You don't have to be harsh and cold mm-hmm. about it. I mean, mm-hmm. especially when you get rid of all these extraneous silly things, there's plenty mm-hmm. of room to have mm-hmm. some sentimental stuff around. Although really I have almost none of that anymore. Maybe, a, maybe your book or two, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's almost all gone. But now I'm thinking we should in the show notes post all of our blog posts about minimizing. Cause I know you have some oh, sure. and I have a bunch now and mm-hmm. people can see kind of how we went about it and stuff mm-hmm. we got rid of. Yeah. That's a good idea. Oh, it's so satisfying. everyone. <laughs> it's so satisfying. Um, you know, one question, uh, what do you think about this? You know, it's been maybe easier for us because we're both been so on the same page about it, but I don't know. What if some people might have a partner who's kind of more sentimental or more of a pack rat or doesn't see the value in getting rid of stuff? How would you maybe try to convince a partner to try that? Or I don't know. Are they married yet or not? (laughs) No, no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Um, I I think that's one of those things where you have, where hopefully the lines of communication are Mm -hmm. so solid and open that you sit down and this is my thinking off the top of my head. Like, you can sit down and have the conversation and then everything really along those lines, I think should be goal driven. Yeah. You know, we what is the goal? About that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if your goal is to, I mean, having a bunch of stuff stored, I mean, if your goal is to make more room for a growing family or just to have less stuff that you have to clean out mm-hmm. and organize and store, mm-hmm. cause that's, you know, if you have those sorts of goals, you can decide on goals and then work collectively towards those goals and you maybe mm-hmm. have to compromise. But if you start with a goal versus, no, no, you're just doing this wrong, change your ways. Right. Maybe that will be right. a better way to go about it. Another thing, and I think maybe we did this at other times in the past, I think a nice like half, like in between thing is to put stuff away that you're considering getting rid of, but don't get rid of it yet. Put it in a closet, in the garage, in the office where it's out of sight, out of mind. See if you really miss it. And honestly, I bet that three months from then you will not even know what's in the box. Like, I, I don't know if we've said this before on the podcast, but I mean, how many trips to Goodwill did we make that summer? It had to be like 10 or more. At least, yeah. And honestly, I cannot tell you what we donated. Yeah. I mean, I know that there were clothes, but then, I mean, we had so much stuff, but I don't even know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I can hardly remember. Yeah. So it's just, it's just really, really crazy. Um, and that's, that's maybe a thing to note is that we as a family don't have, I'm pretty sure a single, maybe we have like one box of the quote unquote keepsakes, Mm -hmm. sentimental things, but otherwise we don't have a single storage box. Right. Right. In the house anywhere. So far as I know, I mean, yeah. we've got like, let's maybe stuff like I have some, like some sewing stuff that's like stored cause I don't use it all the time, but it's not just like to put away just to store. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There's, right. We, we don't, we're not, there's no storage. Yeah. I never, in our house. I never thought about that. And we have bins in the garage that have say Christmas decorations because we will use those things. Like everything in the house is absolutely useful. Right. Might have like a certain limited amount of use. And yeah. so it's stored the rest of the year, but it's not just for the purpose of storing and keeping, but we haven't dealt with it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it is really satisfying. And I just, I think I just can't emphasize enough to people or encourage enough to, to, to go through this or to try it because it just continues to bring me so much joy. Mm -hmm. Like I have just, I love our house and our home now so much. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It feels so easy to live in. It's so easy to tidy up and Mm -hmm. to clean. It's easy to find things. That's another big point too, I think that you made Mm -hmm. maybe on your blog or I can't remember where, but um, you mentioned this one time where less stuff around means you actually literally are saving time because less stuff means less cleaning or easier time cleaning because you don't have to move stuff around to Mm -hmm. get, you know, wherever. So basically you're saving yourself time every single day with less stuff to deal with. Right. That's huge because everybody's always talking about how pressed they are for time. Right. Right. And I think too, for, for me, when I would open a closet and, and see a bunch of stuff and be like, oh, I really need to deal with that, you know, 
it was like represented this emotional weight that I was carrying. And so I would, as I went about the house, I kind of would have these emotional weights of like future tasks that needed to be done. You know, I'd have this like Mm -hmm. running to-do list. Oh, we got to clean out the office. Oh, we got to, we really need to organize the garage. Oh, we should go through our kitchen stuff and, you know, get rid of some stuff there. And so I mean, it kind of seemed like a minor thing, but I really think for me, I'm like very in tune to my surrounding surroundings and it can really affect me. And so I feel like I don't have that now Mm -hmm. going around our house. And I think that just helps me love it so much more. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. So I'll add one more thing. Okay. A, this is my rule of thumb that I'll, well, we can add the, my blog post on this. Okay. My little rule of thumb about getting rid of stuff and minimizing, Mm -hmm. you can start and you can go through these in, and they're probably, I bet an increasing order for people of of difficulty, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but clutter, clothes, cable, car. Ooh. So you can start with clutter because there's crap around all the time. Everybody has drunk drawers. You know, Mm -hmm. you can do those sorts of things and start with like a drawer or a closet or even a room. Then you can get to clothes and that can be harder for people, but you probably got a closet where you've got old clothes. Mm -hmm. Like we went through this and Mm -hmm. that was so fun to get rid of stuff. Yeah. I, now I'm down to my capsule wardrobe. Then cable is a big deal Uh and that's a whole different story. But then getting rid of a car, if it's possible, that was such a huge thing for us, but you know, that's, it works for us. I mean, it worked for others. Right. Right. Okay, so let's move on to our listener question. We have had several people ask about saving for college and whether that's something we're doing already, um, how we're prioritizing it, and especially, I think, for you know, young couples like us with young children, you've got several things that are on your mind. You're trying to save for retirement. You're trying to think about saving for future college. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just maybe building up, you know, healthy finances, maybe paying down some debts and stuff. So there's a a lot of different things. How do you decide what to prioritize? So we just wanted to share what our solution is, like kind of what we're thinking. Uh, It's certainly not the right answer for everyone, but we hope it could be helpful just sharing what what we're doing. It's one that's in the works, I think, too. And so it's one that will, we think we have a plan. We have to build on that plan. Mm-hmm. It may alter over time, but I think it's it's probably the one that works for us. Because mm-hmm. our goal is to pay off each kid's college, at least undergrad. Right. So that they have no debt. Right. Grad school might be a different story. So that both, neither the boys or us take out debt to right. pay for their undergraduate. Yeah, no loans. And that's a big deal because, <laughs> so I looked some stuff up. Uh-huh. I know you did. <laughs> right now, the cost of tuition is increasing about 8% a year. I, I, I just, I can't believe that that will continue because it just, college will literally price itself out of the market, I think, if that continues yeah. over time, although it hasn't yet. Um, but that does mean, at least right now, it's doubling roughly every nine years. Oh, that's crazy. And so it's right now, it's just $10,000 on average for an in-state public university or close to twenty k mm-hmm. when you add in room and board. So per that's, year? That's the average per year. Wow. Yeah. For public universities, in-state tuition, private, yeah. you know, it's like forty or something right, crazy. Right. Student debt coming out of college averages twenty-eight thousand. Mm-hmm. So that's on the student, not uh-huh. necessarily on the parents. Um, but if it's doubling nearly twice a year, by the time our kids go to college, we're looking at eighty thousand dollars per year <gasps> per kid. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> and that's for an in-state public school. Oh my gosh. In-state tuition public school. Well, but we do have to say we are in a situation, you know, we're you know, not entirely sure what our working situation is going to be like when mm-hmm. our boys enter college. But as of right now, both you and I work for a, a public university mm-hmm. and there is a pretty amazing tuition benefit for employees and their dependents. And that is nine credit hours per semester tuition free. So interesting because I was looking this up because I was curious and Is I think it's changing. I think I think we only pay twenty five percent of total tuition. I see. Is that like a is that is that different now? It may have been changed. I'm not sure. So I see, but but there is some significant tuition discount. Yeah, I probably mean, roughly like fifty seventy five percent off essentially. There are still you know fees associated with courses and there's still like room and board and there is still like remaining tuition and so it doesn't make it something that we just can't think about it, but we are in a position and that I think would be great for us to take advantage of, 
of that benefit because who, yeah. because who gets benefits like that? Right, right. And the, and currently the benefit is for any of the three public universities in Arizona, of mm-hmm. which there's University of Arizona, Arizona State University, and um, Northern Arizona University. Three really great schools. Mm-hmm. And this kind of brings up something that is maybe just a mindset in terms of thinking about college. I think, you know, going to college is such a such a big chapter in your life. And I think there is a lot of impetus for getting into and going to the very best college that you can get into. And I certainly had that mindset. I was applying to Ivy Leagues and lots of out-of-state colleges and all those kinds of things. I ended up going to the University of Texas, which was an in-state school for me since I'm from Austin. Um, And I think looking back on it, you know, and then I ended up getting my master's degree at Yale and took out a lot of student loans to do that, which we've since paid off, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just want to say that I think there is a lot of value now that earning a bachelor's degree is becoming more and more standard of Mm -hmm. going to an affordable, maybe in-state public institution for undergrad. And there are just, there are honors programs. There are so many ways that you can get so much out of an education, even if you're at maybe not a top ranked school. And then for those students that are going to be really invested in their education, they're going to do great at that school. And they're going to position themselves to go to, if they want to go to graduate school, to go to a top ranked graduate program. Mm -hmm. And I just, just based on my own experience, I kind of think that might be more bang for bang for your buck, mm-hmm. you know, an affordable undergraduate program, you know, helping the student know what they really want to pursue. And then if they're really passionate and committed, then maybe graduate school is where you take out some loans. Because in graduate school, there are like more stipends, there may be shorter programs, two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of feel like that might be what we encourage our boys to do that was that was an experience for both of us that worked out well so I totally agree I mean the the so ASU Mm -hmm. is now like the most innovative university in the country (laughs) but any any university state or you know like any of the public universities Mm -hmm. within a state are going to be incredible places when I talk to freshmen um, at ASU the thing I always try to say which I wish somebody had told me because I never thought of college this way because you go into college thinking work on a degree, I'm going to have fun. I'm Mm -hmm. kind of becoming an adult. I can have, you know, screw around all this stuff. But when in your life are you surrounded by experts, Mm -hmm. like the experts in every field Mm -hmm. and multi-million dollar institutions and facilities and equipment to help Mm -hmm. you ask questions about whatever Mm -hmm. you want to ask. That's all just mostly at your disposal. It's insane. And you could just go to any professor and be like, oh, can I volunteer in your lab? Mm -hmm. Or can I do this? Or can I get involved in this entrepreneurship program? All these things. And it's just, you're you're inundated with opportunities Mm -hmm. to explore how you could be a future professional. Um, That wasn't sold to me when I was Mm -hmm. an undergrad. I wish it had been, but I think we do a better job of that now. But that's that's at any university. It doesn't right. have to be an Ivy right. League. So it really it really has to do with how you take advantage of it. But this is all to say that we will definitely be, you know, encouraging our boys to to go to to college, like at least through undergraduate, you know, unless one of them just has such a passion for some kind of a different career path that Yeah. Yeah. That was really justified. Um so so if they go to one of the Arizona schools right. and we take advantage of that mm-hmm. benefit that we have. We're still looking at with the cost increases, probably a total of $200,000 for two, both kids. That's crazy. That's the amount we'd have That'd to have be, saved. I mean, I, I will be honest, like it feels overwhelming to me. Like we have still so long. And so I don't feel too worried about it yet. And mm-hmm. I, but when I start thinking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're already behind. So let's kind of get into what we have set up and what we're doing and not yeah. doing yeah. already. <laughs> yeah. So what we did do um, is set up a 529 account mm-hmm. for both kids. Mm-hmm. And so the 529, if you've not heard of this, this is ba- it's like a, a tax advantage account for specifically for saving for 
your children's uh, college careers. And so um, <clears throat> it, different ones have slightly different benefits, but the whole point they're, is... They're state-based. Yeah, state, yeah. But it doesn't matter. You can choose any states. You don't have to be living in that state. So we're in Arizona, but we, ch- we could have chosen the Texas plan or the Wisconsin plan. I think some of them are just set up a little bit differently, might have slightly different tax benefits um, or managed slightly differently. Right. And, and actually, I think... The Arizona plan that we have mm-hmm. chosen has benefits that others don't. Oh, nice. Um, so, like in terms of, or maybe, well, it's it's roughly similar. But anyway, like whatever you earn, so you you invest in it just like any mm-hmm. mutual fund or something. You put right. money in. Po- any post tax. Right. Yeah. So, um, so any earnings grow both federal and state income tax deferred. Okay. So there's no taxes on any earnings that you make in the thing. Okay. Um, as you contribute, though, also you, we can take a tax deduction. I think up to oh. two thousand dollars, or no, up to four thousand dollars for married couples. Okay. So if we put in that much money, which sadly we're not, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we could actually take that as a as a deduction. Okay. And then when we withdraw, mm-hmm. as long as it's a, it's a qualified withdrawal for college expenses, right. then it comes out tax free. Gotcha. So that's um, that's pretty huge. Yeah. So so those we have an account set up for each child. It's also nice. You can easily give the information for the account to relatives, yeah. grandparents, and they can contribute. And mm-hmm. so we have let our family know and we'll continue to let them know that we welcome contributions to their 529 in lieu of other gifts. And so that's just kind of a nice, you know, a nice thing that family, if they want to, can contribute really easily to that. Yeah. So as of now, though, um, How's though, it this is so awesome. We have $1,500 in there for Dash okay. and 400 for Cedric. Oh, poor Cedric. <laughs> so we are exactly 1%, not exactly, a little less than 1% towards yeah. our yeah. $200,000 goal. Yeah. So right now we are really just not prioritizing saving for college. Are we making automatic transfers into there like $25 a month or yeah, something? Yeah, but it's that's something, it, 25 per Something pretty, I mean, just really minimal. Um, you know, we've talked about before, we are really committed to saving up a huge chunk of money right now to try to pay off our mortgage in Mm -hmm. five years. And Mm -hmm. so that's really where our priorities are. It feels like to us, if we can achieve that goal in five years, that then we'll still have, mm, I don't know, 13 or roughly 10, 10 or so years to save for college before the boys are going to college. And so that's not a super long time, but I guess it feels like then maybe our priorities will shift and we'll start getting a lot more serious about that. For sure. And based on our ability to save how we have right. in the past, gives me confidence that once we achieve our mortgage savings goal, we can right. easily achieve actually the, right. the savings goal for college yeah. so long as we have a similar financial situation and all yeah. of these things. Right? So right now it kind of feels like we've set up the structure, like we've set up the 529s, which, which I think is just a great first step so that we yeah. can at least be putting a little bit of money there. Family members can be contributing money there if they mm-hmm. want to, but it's not a place that we're socking money away. Um, it's not that we're not concerned about the cost of college, but it's just not, it's not the top saving priority, but, but it will be yeah. <laughs> in, in the near future. We will start really focusing on that. One last thing, um, one listener, when they wrote in asking about college was asking if we were thinking about private school at all for our boys. And mm. so if that was another, you know, financial consideration that we had and, we are not considering private school at this point. We're yeah. very fortunate that we live in an area with good public schools, and then we also have several free charter schools yeah. to choose Highly from. ranked ones. Yes, statewide. highly ranked charter schools. And so for us in our area, I'm not sure if it might work differently elsewhere, but charter schools are um, schools that are usually tuition-free. The ones that we're considering would be tuition-free. Um, you don't have to live in a certain neighborhood. You can elect to go there. There might be waiting lists for them, but oftentimes they're maybe a bit more progressive or the structure is a little bit different. It, it kind of feels like to us, maybe the best of both worlds, um, mm-hmm. getting still a free education, tuition free, but maybe getting, um, a little bit more progressive education, similar to a private school. Yeah. Yeah, and and or actually, smaller class sizes, things like that. Yeah, there are. I, I'm sure that there are some benefits to, you know, private schools or or interesting mm-hmm. charter schools and stuff. But Elizabeth Warren actually had a really great talk on this. She was looking into why costs for the middle class were increasing and why 
they were having such a hard time. And a big driver was, um, was education for kids. Yeah. So moving into areas where there was a highly ranked school mm-hmm. and then dealing with the increased housing expenses oh, of that. Right. And so that drives a lot of probably excessive spending. Yeah. And I just think, I think I have the opinion that it's just, it's bullshit. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's stupid because if you, if you have, you know, a home in which education is prioritized mm-hmm. you know, your kids are going to be yeah. how they're going to be. But if you prioritize reading and education and exploration and curiosity, mm-hmm. school is just going to be a supplement to that. Cause you know, yeah. kids forget 90% of what they learn anyway. <laughs> is, uh, is that a stat? <laughs> no, but I bet it is the stat. Now look it up and verify, <laughs> put it in the show notes. Okay. But I think, you know, allowing the, you know, the ranking of a school to drive how you spend your money is probably not smart because I think that your, your child can excel academically regardless, Mm -hmm. as long as it's a passable school and not like a failing school. Yeah. There's, I mean, there certainly are plenty of failing schools in our country and that is, I mean, just a horrible problem. Um, we don't have those, we're not living in an area where that is a consideration. So we could choose to go to just trekking to the public schools. And I think our boys would have a great experience. I think it also comes from our personal experience. We both went to public schools mm-hmm. growing up. I went yeah. to a, a huge public high school. As um, did I. And, you know, I, I still feel like I was able to have a great experience and kind of similar in the way that I talked about, you know, making what you can of it in college. I think that I, reached out to teachers during school and kind of made that extra effort. And yeah. And you're, you know, you are, we are both well-adjusted, happy, healthy people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think reasonably intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> you're a science writer at a yeah. major university. I'm a professor. Like mm-hmm. it obviously, mm-hmm. I, I, w- I can't achieve any higher academic height than I have, you know, in terms <laughs> of like where, where I could go with a PhD. So yeah. it's not like private school would help me in that way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just, so think yeah, just coming from personal experience to, um, that's kind of one of the reasons why we're not considering private school, both just our personal experience and then just in the area that we live, we don't feel like we need to consider private school to get our boys a great education. Yeah. And not that it's not a consideration. It certainly could offer benefits, but mm-hmm. not, not something we're worried about. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to one big thing. What's your one big thing? <laughs> My one big thing is vegetable delivery systems. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you mean like to our front door or no, what we're eating? What we're eating. Okay, this is a good one. I'm excited. Yeah, um, what do you have to say? Well, I'm departing from my normal highfalutin philosophical takes. <laughs> I things. support that. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this because uh, our diets have been exceptional recently because, because you have really, I, I think, uh, set the pattern of healthy soups Oh, thank you. And healthy salads. Yep. And in both cases, we've made it like we've made it commonplace to have a, a huge salad with tons of different vegetables. Mm-hmm. They're delicious because there's also, you know, plenty yeah. of fat in there with dressings and cheese and everything yeah. else and nuts and stuff. Um, but that has become almost our daily lunch. Mm-hmm. And then the soups you've been making are filled with beans, legumes and, and lots mm-hmm. of other vegetables, too. And what I was realizing is, you know, we always are talking about ah, how do we get more fruits and vegetables into yeah. our diet and that kind of thing. But having a system in place, mm-hmm. and you've blogged about this, we, you now have a system of how you make yeah. our salads because right. you often make them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once you have a system in place, then it's just about utilizing the system to efficiently deliver you the yep. vegetables in your right. diet. And that makes it easier, more efficient, and sort of thoughtless mm-hmm. if you can reduce the like stress of having to put yeah. more healthy food into your diet by having a delivery system like mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. Um, it will result in a healthier diet. So I was just enjoying the fact that that we have that built in now. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I am all about a system just from my personality type. I like that. But then with having the two young boys and just needing to get so many things ready, um, you know, so many people that we have to feed on a daily, (laughs) weekly basis. And so anything that we kind of um, can can make very efficient and it has been working really, really well. And I think that that's something that I feel like a year or so ago, I was just feeling like, Oh, I wish I ate more salads and I could just never really get excited about one or, but then we just kind of found like the type of lettuce that we like. We get the romaine hearts. We found different toppings that we like for us having a good dressing, um, 
having some cheese, we use feta, having mm-hmm. some roasted nuts that we throw in there. Um, but just finding all those things and now they're just grocery store staples and that's just our thing. We yeah. prep salads the night before and it's awesome. Yeah. And it's super easy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my one big thing is thinking about an ethical wardrobe. Ah. And I actually got a great listener email from Dawn talking about this. So thank you so much, Dawn. This was great because she was talking about considerations for an ethical wardrobe. And this is actually something that's been on my mind a lot. And so your email was perfectly timed, Dawn. And thank you so much for all of those um, links and resources. I'll include some in the show notes. So it feels like we try to be intentional about so many aspects of our life. We eat a vegetarian, sometimes kind of veganish diet because of being conscious about the impact on the environment, being conscious about animal rights. Mm-hmm. We now drive just one car that's a hybrid to try to, you know, use less fossil fuels. Um, it's just all these several. We minimize. We've minimized. We try to consume less stuff. We compost. We recycle. We, we try to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one big area of our life of consumption and use is the clothes that we wear. Yeah. That we really have not put thought into where they're coming from, how they're made. Um, and that is just a big impact both on the environment and on people who mm-hmm. are working in these factories and actually making our clothing. And so... Um, since we've simplified and since I've gone through a lot of body changes with being pregnant and whatnot, I haven't been buying a ton of clothes lately. I'm hoping to kind of start building up my wardrobe again in the coming year. And I really want to commit to buying really ethical clothing and really well-made clothing that might be slightly more expensive, but that is being conscious of how it's made and who's making it, what part of the world it's coming from and Mm -hmm. things like that. So um, I'll include some links in the show notes. There is a a great link that Don shared with me on the Art of Simple blog that includes just a long list of um, ethical shopping resources. Um, For me personally, a couple of brands that I've found that I liked for kids, um, Wildly Co. I actually Mm -hmm. just ordered Dash a sweatshirt and a t-shirt from there, and I'm really happy with them. And then I've been looking at a couple of websites for myself, Everlane, which I really love because they have completely transparent pricing. They actually show you what the cost of the materials were for a piece of clothing, the cost of the labor. And so the total cost wholesale, and then the cost that they're going to charge you. And I just really love that. Um, Another um, brand that's ethically made is Bowdoin that has a lot of just really great looking stuff. So anyway, yeah, that's been on my mind and that's something I'm going to be, what's that? How do you spell Bowdoin? Oh, B-O-D-E-N. And I'll include, I'll include some links. So Anyway, that's been on my mind. I love it. I'm I'm totally on board with more expensive clothes. Cool. And the reason is because we are going to buy fewer of them, yes. and hopefully they're high quality and so longer right. lasting. And I, I totally believe in that versus having tons of crappy clothes mm-hmm. that you cycle through constantly and buy more and more. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps up this episode. We are continuing to just love your emails. So keep them coming. We love getting listener questions or your feedback on a topic that we talked about previously. Our email address is heymatrimony, M-O-N-E-Y at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and tweet at us. We're heymatrimony. And we also are accepting submissions to be a featured matrimony listener if you want to kind of give us an overview of your financial situation and uh, you know maybe give us a couple of questions on how to prioritize things or talk about maybe your goals and how to achieve them we'd be happy to kind of look a little bit further and then give our advice on the air so check that out you can um, submit that via our website which is loveandmatrimony.com we will sign off reminding you to love your honey, not your money. I'm the star of the show. Can't start without me. It's true.